Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Shoots and scores! There's 50 from the right circle! Harris, he'll throw. He's got a man wide open. Touchdown, Eskimos! Kenny Stafford to the end zone. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Oh, there's a new bad boy in the world of sports. Yeah, forget about Dennis Rodman, Deion Sanders, anybody like that, Brad Marchand. Forget about that. There's a new bad boy in the world of sports. Not a player, not a coach. Oh, you know who it is. It's Gainer the Gopher. Gainer's in trouble again. Well, the first time, I don't know if he was really in trouble. People just didn't like how he looked after that first Saskatchewan home game of the year. So they changed the eyes. They took away the human green eyes, gave him the more... Appropriate, I suppose. Soulless black eyes. <laughs> Only fans of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders would want their mascot to look more soulless. Well, his, his evil continues. Kellen, I don't know if you saw this. No, this is news to me. Uh, well, the Riders won on the weekend 38-25 over the Lions. i got to say, that Cody Fajardo young man, he's uh, looking like a pretty good quarterback. So the BC Lions tweeted out a video of Gaynor. I'm just reading this from a, a story here that was on our newswire. After the game, the BC Lions tweeted a video of Gaynor walking onto the field, pulling a stuffed lion by the tail. The mascot threw, then kicked the lion before spreading its legs and grabbing it in an inappropriate spot before punting it. Gaynor then grabbed the lion by the tail and flung it over his shoulder as he walked off the field. That prompted some people to voice their displeasure on social media regarding the mascot's actions. The riders have... Re- they, they, this is the thing. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders then put out a statement about this. Bad boy Gaynor. We need some alliteration with G's. I don't know. Gruff guy Gaynor? Doesn't sound quite evil enough. The Riders said in a statement, We agree that Gaynor took it too far during Saturday's game against the BC Lions. We've talked to Gaynor about it and taken away his stuffed lion. Oh, my. Is there anything that people won't be offended by these days? This, now, a, this season I, has the makings of like a 30 for 30 for poor Gaynor or something I watched like that. the video. I, I, there's, I watched the video online. Uh, yeah, it's a little crass, the uh, spreading of the legs and the grabbing. There is nothing... Uh, uh, sexual or assault-like about it. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't all age appropriate, but uh, I guess some some people people didn't like it. Gainer's in trouble, so Gainer uh, has been criticized for his appearance. He has been criticized for his actions. One thing we know for sure: Gainer will not be criticized for his words because mascots don't talk. So Gainer's Gainer's good in that. My, what an evil gopher! I think I think Gainer should be the next Bond villain. 
But again, not talking would be a problem. I guess we'd have to figure something out there. All right. Well, that's amusing. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. The other gentleman's voice you heard is Kellen Kennedy, who is our studio operator. The Eskimos will be right back at it on Thursday when they host Toronto on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. The game will start at 7.30. Our coverage will start at 6 with the countdown to kickoff. The Eskimos coming off a rough one Saturday afternoon in the heat in Montreal. We'll break that down a little further with Blake Dermott after the 6.30 news. And Eskimos safety Jordan Hoover is going to join me in person for an interview. It'll be good to talk with Jordan again. Had him on the show uh, when we were covering the CFL draft. For the second time in the last three games, the Eskimos do not score a touchdown. Do not score a touchdown. That's a little concerning. I'm still pretty optimistic about the team. Uh, I still think they're going to hang around there with Winnipeg and Calgary closer to the top of the division than closer to the bottom. But they just could not figure out the Montreal defense on Saturday. I, I think there were some obviously some execution errors, some penalty errors. One of them negated a touchdown, two illegal procedures on short yardage plays. And uh, there's been some talk about the play calling as well. So we'll, we'll uh, discuss that as we go along. You're welcome to text 63630 or call 780-496-0063. Of course, it continues to be discussed, the trade that happened on Friday. The Edmonton Oilers acquiring James Neal from the Calgary Flames for Milan Lucic in a deal that should help the Oilers offensively if Neal can come even close to bouncing back to the levels he scored at for, well, for all of his career except for last year when he was 20-plus goals every year and then just dipped down to seven last season. Uh, I had a chat with James Neal on Saturday. You can get that on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Bob Stoffer had James Neal on Oilers now earlier today from noon to two. And uh, Neil had these comments about that tough season with the Flames. Like from how you just put it behind you, I think you learn from it, you get better. Um, yeah, it was a tough year. Uh, I went into Calgary with great expectations. Uh, I wanted to do very well. But, uh, you know, something, sometimes some, uh, some things don't work out. I think, you know, after two years of being back-to-back Stanley Cup finals, it, it wears on you. So uh, not much training uh, you know, all that stuff goes into it. So to uh, be able to have a good summer, like get the body back to where it needs to be, train and, and regroup and, and be ready to go, I think that's going to do do a lot for me. So, um, you know, sometimes it's not a fit. So I'm excited to be an oiler and uh, I can't wait to get started. Was it your preference to be traded? Did you or your camp ever approach the Flames about that after the season or was this totally something their management worked on? Uh, yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was just, uh, it didn't come from me. So it was, uh, whatever was worked out, but, um, like I said, sometimes things just didn't fit. All right. So that's a bit on James Neal and saying in that clip a couple of times, it just wasn't a fit with the Calgary Flames. Well, look, why is it not a fit? It's because of the situation you're in or because of the and or because of the people around you, you you just don't say, oh, that just didn't didn't fit. I mean, things have to happen for it not to fit. I know there has been a lot of reports and speculation, and James Deal didn't really want to get anything specific there, but that there just was not a good relationship between James Neal and Bill Peters, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, which may have affected, uh, you know, how Neal was playing, how he felt coming to the rink. And, hey, don't get me wrong, and, and you've probably heard it, that, there's, you know, I, I think there's some baggage here with Neil. I, I, I think there might be uh, some questions about um, 
you know, his approach, maybe his attitude, and this is just stuff, you know, I hear from talking to other people in hockey, and he's had great seasons. There's no doubt about that. And you got to find teammates that you gel with, and it appears that he already has a bit of a relationship with Connor McDavid, which is, which is good, and we're going to talk about that as we move along. But, you know, it just for whatever reason, it didn't appear that there was a great relationship here for Neil with with Bill Peters, the coach of the Flames, and uh, that kind of soured his whole experience. So Neil coming to Edmonton, where he's going to be coached by Dave Tippett, who he has a pre-existing relationship with. He's a great guy. He's a guy that uh, you know demands the best out of you, but is really fair and uh, and wants you to do your wants you to do your best. So. Um, I had a good touch out with him, and um, I couldn't be happier to have him as uh, my new head coach. All right, so Neil reunited with Tippett, as he mentioned, coached him earlier in his career in his career in Dallas back in his rookie season, where he wound up with 24 goals. So if there was uh, something going on there, an issue between him and the coach, hopefully that's not going to be an issue with the Edmonton Oilers. Ken Holland. GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Here's what he thinks his team is getting in Neil. Well, obviously we're hoping we're going to get a guy that can, you know, the guy in, I would use the word the guy in record book. I mean, there's a, there's a history to the player. And if you look at uh, James Dale in the guy in record book, he scored 20 plus goals, I think 10 or 11 consecutive years. He had a tough year this year in Calgary. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, he's, a, he's a guy that can score. He's, he's a shooter. Um, we've got playmaking center Iceman. Um, and, and playmaking forward, certainly in those in our three big guys up front. And James is a big body. History says that uh, that he can score twenty plus goals, and uh, we're hoping that he's uh, he had a tough year. When you look at the guide record book a few years from now, this is the last year in Calgary was just uh, just an off year. So we're hoping he's going to rebound. And I know he's motivated. He spent uh, a good part of this summer, June, July, and August. He's going to be in Toronto working with with Gary Roberts and and. Uh, at the same place Connor McDavid's at, so he's motivated to uh, to bounce back. So he's a shooter, he's a scorer. We've got playmaking f- forwards for him to play with, and uh, between his motivation uh, and his history, I'm hoping that he can bounce back this year and score some goals for us and, and be a real impact uh, in helping us have a good year. All right, a little bit there from Ken Holland. He was on Oilers Now with Bob earlier today, so you can get that on 630Ched.com. Well, I, I mean, it's this This is very simple. I, I don't think that there's statistically too much to, to pick apart about this trade. If James Neal scores uh, 15 to 20 goals, you're going to say, okay, pretty good. If he scores 20 to 25, you're going to think, oh, wow, that's that's excellent that's very good and if he scores 26 or more you're going to say uh you're going to say that's an excellent trade for the Edmonton Oilers there is that condition and it is kind of well it is an interesting condition if James Neal scores 21 or more goals and outscores Milan Lucic by 10 or more then the Oilers have to give up a conditional third round pick I I would assume well maybe I shouldn't assume I, I I certainly would think all right if those conditions happen then that's fine. You'll part with that with that third round pick. But uh, but I mean, it, it's kind of an admission by both teams involved that it's that it's the Oilers got the higher scoring player. They got the guy who is more likely to bounce back and get closer to twenty goals. I don't know if that potential is there for Lucic anymore. No, no, don't get me wrong. And I have said this before. Uh, I still think there's an element to Lucic's game. I still think aggression and toughness and physicality are an important part of hockey perhaps not as important as it used to be, and perhaps the fact that Lucic doesn't play as much anymore because his offensive stats have dropped off are going to hurt the impact he can have in that part of the game as well. 
but I still do believe uh, that is a factor. So that is what Calgary is hoping that he can add. Murray, the Flames guy, writing in and says, well, James Neal should be rested and in shape. He took the last year off. Well, that's a good text. Jarrett says, uh, read the problem with Neal and the coach was he wasn't in the top six. He has nothing but top six opportunity in Edmonton. Only four top six players are here. Chase on is on the fringe. Well, that's a fair comment from Jarrett. I mean, the, here's the thing. The Oilers aren't... Is it fair to say... Let me put it this way. The Oilers aren't relying on James Neal to be a secondary scorer. They need him to be one of the primary scorers. Is it, am, I, am I going overboard by saying that? So, I mean, if you assume Dreisaitl is going to score, Nugent Hopkins is going to score, and McDavid is going to score... Do you need James Neal to be your fourth most productive player to have a good season? I, I think you probably do if you, if you look at the roster. So that's a fair comment there from Jared for sure. Where will Neal play? Left side, right side? For me, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I think uh, a lot of it, too, it, is, comes with what centerman you're playing with, whether he shoots left or right. I think... Uh, you know, when I went, I was left in Dallas, and then when I went to Pittsburgh, I, I changed over the right just because Malkin was a left-handed centerman, and uh, he had the ability to, you know, you, you could shoot pucks uh, on the fly, and you were able to, to get pucks off quicker just because it was forehand to forehand. So um, I like that. I, I, I like that we have a lot of left-handed um, centermen. That, that bodes well for, for for my game. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the way, the way it was, uh, you know, looking into that why I played right over left. All right, a little bit there from James Neal. More from you when... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we get back, I'll catch up on the text line, and our buddy Matt from Section O is on the open line. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Texting in, he says, hey, Reed, I wonder if Mike Riley feels like the stuffed lion got off easy compared to the beating he's taken the last few games. That is from Chris texting in to 630-630. Another loss for the Lions. They fell to Saskatchewan on Saturday. Those two teams will play again this coming weekend. Eskimos getting ready to go against Toronto after losing to Montreal. Matt from Section O was no doubt watching that game with a keen interest. Hi, Matt. Hey, Reed, what's going on, buddy? Usual. Just the usual. What's going on with you? What's on your mind? What's that, sorry? What's on your mind? Oh, well, I was just looking at the box score on the game here, and I ran across an interesting stat, and I think I saw Dave echo it on points after show, that the Eskimos were 3 for 13 on second down conversions, and there was one play that stood out in my mind. It wasn't second down, but it was third down. And Harris lines up shotgun and Stutter hands off the gable, and of course he gets stuffed. So when I was watching that game, it like everything about it just seemed like a struggle. They just seemed off. And I remember it being 45 degrees on the field. It was humid. It was super hot. And 
to be completely honest with you, I think it was just a stinker. Like, every team has one of those, one or two of the game, uh, season, and it was just a stinker. And Toronto is the ultimate uh, rebound game for us to uh, pick up on how this team should be. Mind you, it is a short week. Um, Toronto's just as dysfunctional, and Montreal, like, in theory, on paper, is just as dysfunctional. Like, they should not have won that game. And I'm just looking at it here. Like, Harris was 271 passing, and uh, Vernon Adams didn't have a career day either. He was at 191. But Montreal was combating our blitzes by running a whole bunch of swing passes. So it's like we just had no answer to the Montreal offense. And Vernon Adams got away with a couple of couple of large runs as well and yeah it was just you know what buddy it was just a just a bad game just a real bad stinker off game and you can also tell when sean white misses two field goals as well like that's just completely uncharacteristic of him so yeah all right dude. matt appreciate it buddy call anytime okay Take care, man. That is Matt, 780-496-0063. Doug texting in. He says, the Eskimos was more what I thought our offense would look like in the first five games. They surprised me by how they how well they played in the previous four. That said, even if Warren Moon is here in his prime, unless they fix the penalties, it won't matter. And uh, we got about 40 seconds for Ron on line two. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, Reed, how you doing? I will be real quick. Thanks. This might cost Tree Living his job. If um, uh, if James has the potential, you know, let's say next three years, mid twenties to high twenties, and if he goes over thirties and Lucic is still Lucic, uh, that could cost him his job. What do you think? I'll just listen. Uh, I think Trey Living's overall done a pretty good job. I mean, certainly if the Flames were t- to take a big step backward this season, and if the goaltending doesn't play well, then maybe. I, I mean, GMs generally get longer than coaches, but there are there are linchpin moments where you can look back and say, "Oh, that's where it started to decline." If Neil has a big season and Lucic doesn't, then then maybe this could be one of those moments for Trey Living. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks, announcer guy. Take the rest of the night off. David texting 630-630. Reed, why has James Neal been traded so much since he has been productive? That leads me to wonder how he behaves in the dressing room. Your thoughts? That is from David. Yeah, well, I touched on, on that a bit. I mean, obviously a lot of, a lot of stories about uh, some sort of a rift between him and Bill Peters in Calgary. Look, David, all I can tell you this. You nor I have, have had James Neal as a teammate. There, there, there are certainly uh, the stories out there that, Maybe he's a bit of a, a, a different cat, to use the lingo that the kids are using. Uh, that doesn't mean he can't fit in with the Oilers, and that doesn't mean he can't be productive. Um, you know, not everybody is not everybody's the same. Not everybody uh, is going to relate to teammates the same way. I think Neil knows the situation he's coming into in Edmonton. I think it helps he knows Dave Tippett. And uh, quite frankly, I think it helps. He knows Connor McDavid. Yeah, I see Connor every day. So I see him at the gym every day. Uh, we both work out with uh, with Gary Roberts, and uh, I've gotten to know Connor, uh, you know, really well over the last say eight years. Uh, you know, I think the kid he's coming out of coming out of junior, and uh, you know, all the talk about him, but uh, uh, getting to know him and uh, seeing the way he's developed, and uh, you know how hard he works every day to 
to be the best is uh, is pretty impressive. So I'm uh, I'm really happy that uh, things worked out the way they did, and uh, now I get to be, be uh, teammates with them. All right, so a pre-existing relationship there as well. Mo writes in, hey, Reed, I'm excited to have some shooting depth on the Oilers, but if I was Ken Holland, I would make sure we have someone who can stick with Lucic in the new Battle of Alberta next season. I do believe Cassie and a nurse, and to a lesser extent, Kara would be able to do the job, but a bona fide lunatic as a call-up for those special games may not hurt. Am I out to lunch on this one? Uh, you're not out to lunch, and the thing is, if they want a player like that, they can probably get them for relatively cheap and if they're looking for bona fide lunatics they could just contact my next guest former member Tedesco Blake Dermott oh hi Blake what a segue <laughs> very very nice <laughs> hi Reed how you doing uh I'm doing great well it's been a it's been a fun few days because we're in the uh roll along with football season and so and some Oilers news so we've had a lot to talk about so uh it's been good I know you're a huge Edmonton sports fan and I think Blake you you recognized why Lucic was brought to the Oilers, uh, but I wonder how you saw sort of his, well, progression slash decline over the last couple of years, and now what you think of the trade. Well, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I was always a, a big Lucic fan. Uh, um, ever since I was a little kid, Boston Bruins was always a team that I followed, and, and uh, um, I always thought that uh, with with his skill set, he was able to, do a lot more than a lot of people thought that he was able to do with respect to getting points. So that one season, the way he first came to the Oilers with 20 goals, 50 points, and, and uh, <clears throat> but I was really, I, I felt really bad for him for the last couple of years. The way things just declined, and and it just, you know, I've played uh, sports and I've been in ruts and I've had series of games where they didn't go well. But to see seasons go like that from from you know from a relative. Uh, high point to the level that he got to um, was really tough to watch. And uh, if you're a fan of an athlete or a fan of athletics, you hate to see somebody go through something like that. And uh, and, and it wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, sports fans, guys, you guys on the radio talk about it. You know, he he brought something else to the locker room. He he did things. He he worked hard, but he just couldn't get it done. And so see somebody like that maybe they need a uh, a change of scenery and and listening to your interview with uh um with neil uh yeah james neil earlier today when he talked about you know he went two seasons in a row in the stanley cup finals and uh people don't realize you know the Oilers were finished playing two months before the other guys are and then you got no time off in the off season you got no time to heal you've got you just your seasons just run into the, into each other it's no surprising that somebody because he's not a young guy he's not he's not completely over the hill or anything like that but he's not a young guy your body needs more time to heal and after two seasons in a row being uh you know pushing it as hard as they did to get you know go as far as they did um it was uh it's no surprising that he was going to have an off season all right, well, that'll be something to watch as we move along here. Eskimos, Saturday afternoon. Blake, of course, just didn't go their way against the Owls. There's the pitch out to stand back, and then he'll give the reverse on the play, and then the throw, and that's complete to Adams, and he'll score a touchdown Montreal. Some razzle-dazzle from the Alouettes, and they score first and take the lead. Oh, the treachery, Blake. Uh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I know you thought it should have been an old lineman at some point touching the ball on a trick play like that. <laughs> But it didn't work out. You know, those are like they're all worth six. But when you're on the field, if it happens against you, does it feel like more than that? A trick play touchdown? Um, you know what? I I don't know if it does. Um, I think I think more than anything, it uh, it's not as deflating as when you get beat 
it's it's more of um, you know almost insulting to you that you got beat by a trick play. Um, you know, it's because uh, because getting getting beat, getting physically beat and handled in a game that could be more demoralizing. Because then you know, like I, I'm just you know this guy's just better than me today. But when they do something, you know, when you get beat like that, it's like they got to resort to this to beat us because they know they're not better than us. So, so I, don't think, I don't think that's something that would have been completely demoralizing. I think it would have made a bunch of guys really upset over uh, the fact that they got beat by it, uh, got beat on that play. Because somebody would have, they, there should have been somebody covering um, uh, Vernon Adams on that play. There should have been somebody, and obviously there was a mistake. And, uh, and uh, you know, your quarterback runs out like that. There's got to be somebody going with them. And, and they got beat on a trick play. It uh, doesn't happen very often. Particularly, uh, you don't see it. Uh, maybe, maybe more so, you see it in in the football down south. But you don't see too many trick plays in Canada because uh, because you don't have as many plays. You know, you got four downs. You got the one extra play to try a trick play. You you try a trick play in in uh, uh, in the CFL and, and it doesn't work. You're just throwing away a whole series almost. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good way. That's a good way to look at it for sure. Do you feel that the Alouettes and, and look the Eskimos defense? I still thought had a pretty good game. And they caused a lot of, they they won a lot of plays against the Alouettes offense, but I also thought Adams was better at escaping the rush than any other quarterback the Eskimos have played this season. And it's it's Blake, you'll have a much more different view of this, a more inside view than I do. But it seemed like they were almost trying to use the Eskimos' pressure against the Eskimos with some of the stuff they were trying to do. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I, I mentioned earlier in the year, that the Eskimos were going to live and die by that kind of pressure. That's what Lolly likes to do. And, and, and even to, to some point, uh, it was completely uh, it was a, a good game plan against Montreal. I mean, Montreal only scored 20 points, and one of them came on a trick play. So, you know, uh, that, would, that would have been a bust by somebody on defense. So in reality, the Eskimos, you know, you could look at it, got beat for 14 points. Even in the CFL, 14 points or even 20 points, that's pretty darn good. Like if you be, if if a team scores twenty points on you, you're you should be able to score more than that on their on the, on their team, which is what the Eskimos did the first time they played them. You know, six over six hundred yards, six hundred seven yards of offense. I don't think the Eskimos offense expected to go out there and 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 play at, at the level that they did. And and I want to preface that by saying that I don't want to say that they played poorly, but let's just let's put a couple things in perspective. That. The uh, the defense I thought was phenomenal. Uh, Sewell had six six tackles, I believe, and uh, Moore had a couple of sacks. And you know they they did enough for that team to win. But offensively, um, you know, and I made comments at halftime and I made comments in the pregame that I thought that, that you know it would be uh, uh, this would be a good game to be able to run the ball. But it was clear that the Eskimos were getting no push from the front. And and maybe that's because the first time they played him, C.J. Gable had 164 yards rushing, and this defense from Montreal came in and said, there, there's no way we're going to get pushed around like that. So so I think that they, the Eskimos should have called, maybe could have called more run plays to try to, to try to slow down that defense, to try to wear them down to, to you know for later in the game. But but maybe in reality, and you know, because I'm not watching the film like the coaches are, maybe the run plays weren't there because of the defense that they were playing. But then we saw Ellingson drop two balls. We saw um, actually one was a, it went through his hands, became an interception. And then we saw Kenny Stafford on a third and and um, you know third down gamble that was a beautiful call by uh, Jason Moss, and it hit him right in the hands. And if he catches that ball, he gets into the end zone. 
the Eskimos scored a touchdown was called back because of a holding penalty. But the Eskimos were not that far out of this game. And, and when, when you put things in perspective, as I was starting to talk about before I got all sidetracked, the weather conditions that the Eskimos played in. And people don't understand how difficult it is to go from the spring-like conditions we've had in Edmonton for the last month to go down to Montreal where it's 40 degrees with a 100% humidity or whatever. I think it was close to 100% humidity. You can't imagine how difficult it is to do something athletic, especially when you are just flying in 24 hours before the game. Now, Montreal had the opportunity, and then people say, well, both teams got to plan it. Yes, but their bodies were more conditioned to something like that. That's like running with an extra 25 pounds on your back. And you do that for, you know, on top of wearing the plastic shoulder pads, the plastic helmet, it's like a microwave on your head, and the shoulder pads act as insulation. you got nowhere to go. It's way harder to play in hot weather than it is to play in cold weather, because cold weather, you can just put on another shirt. But in hot weather, you can't take all your clothes off and play in your skin. Right. And, and it just—it's just—it was so difficult. You put that together with a team that had something to prove and is playing pretty well, and then the conditions made it really difficult for Edmonton. And Edmonton had a subpar game. Well, I have Jordan Hoover coming up after seven o'clock, so I, I want to ask him about the weather as as well. And, and he, uh, you know, I, I think he's experienced some of that before, but. It's going to be interesting to see what he says about that. Blake Dermott, our Inside the Game Eskimos analyst, joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Okay, speaking of the heat, I, I've, we've talked several times over the years about cold weather games you've played in. I don't know if we've ever touched on a hot weather game. You can pick any level of football you want, but does one stand out for you? Oh, there's only one game. I played, uh, in, I think it was June 22nd in 19, uh, 1993. We played Las Vegas in Las Vegas. And the day of the game, the temperature was 119 degrees Fahrenheit. For oh. kickoff, it was 116 degrees. I'm not sure what that is in, in, you know, in Celsius, but I think it's like 48, 49 degrees. Uh, 48.3 is 100. Sorry, what city was this in? This is in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. 48.3 Celsius. Yeah, that was 1993. We thought we were going to die. <laughs> <laughs> We were sitting in our hotel rooms, and the it was the first home game ever for the Las Vegas Posse. It was a preseason game. And we had local media coming to our hotel saying, are you guys worried about this? Because people can die in this. There's weather you know, advisories. And we were, like, just so naive. Was, yeah, we're okay. You know, it's exhibition. you got extra players, all that kind of stuff. I'll never forget the first series that we had. And, you know, talk about the conditions. And then this, that was more severe than what the, the Eskimos uh, experienced. But it was similar because, the, of course, you didn't have the humidity in Las Vegas, and that humidity just adds weight to everything. We, we had the ball first. We're playing Anthony Calvillo's first game, okay? Mm-hmm. We got our butts handed to us down there. And, it wasn't, and then, you know, as the season went on, we beat them, you know, like a drum later on in the year. But because of the weather, we, uh, Damon Allen was our quarterback. We ran the ball. I think he threw the ball. And then the, the, the third play, he did a bootleg and did the Sally Rand. And he faked the handoff and ran about 10 yards. And, of course, whereas linemen, we're supposed to get downfield and block. Not one of us, after we made our block, took a step to go downfield because it was just too onerous. And Damon got tackled, got a first down, came back to the huddle. He says, I am not doing that again. And that was the third play of the game. <laughs> It was the toughest thing that I've ever done was to play in that temperature. Oh, that would have been, sorry, June 22nd, 1994. That's what it was. Yeah, they were in in, uh, 94. And, of course, this is one of my favorite pieces of trivia, Blake. 
in what city did the Las Vegas Posse play their final home game? <laughs> yeah, I was here in Edmonton. It was in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it was, they knew that that team was not going to be back. It was supposed to be Edmonton at Vegas, and they knew no one was going to go to the game. So they thought, well, if we give es- the Eskimos an extra game, we'll have more people than giving Las Vegas their regularly scheduled game. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it's just, and, and when, I, when I heard, when I was listening, you know, talking with Morley and, and Dave at the, um, during the pregame show, and they were telling me how hot it was, and then watching on television and seeing how hot it was, I thought, oh, boy. This is. Uh, I would. I was absolutely concerned about the performance of the players, and uh, it's just. It's so difficult. If you had a week to get used to it, it would have been a different story. But man, when you just are parachuted in and have to go through that, that's tough. And put in like like I said, you've got a team, the Montreal Alouettes, who lost their general manager, or sorry, lost their head coach right before the season started. Then lose their general manager. They got this cloud of everything. You know crappy the league owns them and there's nothing in that room but a bunch of guys that are believing in themselves and they don't care about anything outside of them that can be very dangerous they can be you know if they've got some talent which obviously they do they've uh, you, you put that kind of solidarity together and look who they beat they beat Evans and they beat Hamilton it's not like they're beating slouch teams they're they're playing pretty well, and and uh, they are going to be a decent football team, uh, and they they are a decent football team now. But they're certainly going to be uh, one as the season goes on. They're going to get better. All right, Blake. Uh, I guess we'll be doing this again on Friday because the Eskimos are right back at it against the Argos on Thursday. So hopefully they can jump all over that team. Thanks yeah. for checking in. <laughs> well, the weather will be better. <laughs> It'll be more suited, yes, to our to our sensitive. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, thanks, buddy. All right, thanks, I'll read. All right, that is Blake Dermott. Good to have him check it in tonight. You can text 63630, our phone number, 780-496-0063. We have a four-pack of tickets for the Eskimos game on Thursday. You're going to have to answer a trivia question live on air, 780-496-0063. Well, Las Vegas Posse, one of the U.S. teams that played in the Canadian Football League, the only U.S. team... To win the Grey Cup, of course, was 1995. The Baltimore, well, whatever they were called at the time, the Stall- I guess by that time they were the Stallions. Uh, who was the head coach of the Baltimore Stallions when they won the Grey Cup in 95? We'll uh, get you live on the air for your answer when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Ah, the opening strains of my favorite album of all time. One week from tonight, Def Leppard at Rogers Place. I will not be working Kellen Kennedy. That's okay, that's a lot. I will be listening to them live. I don't know if they're playing that song, but that'll be fun for sure. Uh, remember, the Eskimos have the $22 general admission seats. It's called the Empire North Pass. You get seats in the north end zone. And through the Labor Day rematch, kids 17 and under get into Eskimos games free. And still a few more games this summer, including the tilt on Thursday against the Argos. We would like to send you there. Tonight's trivia question I think is relatively easy, but I've started asking them ahead of time just to give people a chance to think. The 1995 Baltimore Stallions won the Grey Cup, the only American team ever to do so. Who was their head coach? Robert, do you know the answer? 
Uh, yes, I do, I believe. Go ahead. Don Matthews. Don Matthews. Absolutely. That was pretty easy, eh, Robert? Well, depends on how old you are. <laughs> are you uh, you're of a vintage that you would remember those games in your prime? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Don Matthews then coached. But then where did he go? He, then he coached Toronto because won, they won in 96-97. Then he coached uh, us, and then he coached Montreal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you a big Eskimos fan? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you then you're excited to be going on Thursday. Absolutely. You've not been to a game this year? Actually, I've been to one, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, well, they're 2-0 at home, and they were 7-2 at home last year. It's these road games they got to figure out. Robert, you thank you for listening, and thank you for calling in. Stay on hold, and Kellen will take down your info. Thank you. All right. That is uh, Robert checking in tonight. Thanks to, for all the other contestants. Maybe I'll have to go back to making the questions a little harder or just springing them on people live on the radio. I don't know. I can go back and forth on it. Uh, I do appreciate the people who texted in Don Matthews. It is a call-in, so you have to call the win. The U.S., the American CFL teams, you had, what, the uh, Sacramento Gold Miners, then they became the San Antonio Texans. You had the Las Vegas Posse. You had the Shreveport Pirates. You had the Birmingham Barracuda. You had the Memphis Mad Dogs. And uh, then they just all went away. That team in Baltimore had pretty good crowd support, though. Mm-hmm. They had good teams. They, they were all American players. They had, you know, Mike Pringle was there. Tracy Ham was there. And I think Baltimore as a city had something to prove, too, after the way their NFL team left town and that stuff. And they but were then kind they of got upset, an NFL so. team back. Yeah. And Well, then that's how the Alouettes got back into the league. So there you go. Did you ever read the the USFL book, by the way, by Jeff Perlman? No, but I've seen the 30 for 30 documentary about it. That's like, a, who killed the USFL like a dozen times or well, so. Well, Donald so. Trump didn't help, quite frankly. No, no. <laughs> he, really, he really didn't help. And Perlman's book ha, ha, has a lot. That, that's a really good book about the USFL. I, I know we talked about it before, and we've had Perlman on the show several times. But it's called, it's, uh, what is it called again? Oh, Football for a Buck. Because that's what they they got in the in the settlement against the NFL. But it, that's a very interesting book. Um, some crazy stories, and there were some teams in that league that were very well operated, and, and maybe they could have competed against the National Football League. There were some other franchises that never really were very well organized, had good coaching, had good player recruitment, all that kind of stuff. And they kind of changed some of the rules on the fly as they went along. And then it, it didn't help that Trump was really lobbying for an NFL team mm-hmm. or trying to get this, the the season into the fall and go head-to-head with the NFL and all that type of stuff. So I, I think he was a large part of the downfall. But it's it's a very – and Jeff Perlman's a, a great writer, so if you ever have time to check it out, I highly recommend it. All right, uh, good job. Was that, that was Robert, right? The one of the tickets? That's correct. That was yeah. Robert. Okay, good stuff. We will uh, have Jordan Hoover from your Edmonton Eskimos in studio between 7 and 7.30 tonight. I mentioned Ken Holland was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Most of the discussion about the Neil Lucic trade. He also talked about Josh Archibald, who the Oilers signed as a free agent about a week and a half ago. He can skate. He can uh, he can kill penalties. He plays with energy. Scored 12 goals this year. What I'm trying to do in the bottom part of the roster. Four people that can score. You know, I say 8 to 12 goals, double-digit goals. And the offense can't be just three or four guys. It's got to 
got off some secondary offense. So uh, Archie can skate. We want to play. We want to play up tempo. We want to be able to skate. He can skate. He works. He competes. He can kill penalties, and hopefully he can chip in some some uh, some secondary scoring. Stoffer also asked Holland about Yessi Puljujarvi. If the agent came back and said, "Hey, you know what? We want to play in Edmonton. Would would you take him back? What's going on there?" I never want to box myself into one position so you know I'm going to operate today based upon the information at hand if the information tomorrow is different than today then I've got to reevaluate my position so I'm open to to anything um, that makes sense in the best interest of the Edmonton Oilers We'll have more on this tomorrow, but you've probably seen stories coming out of Calgary about a new arena there. 19,000 seats could also include a second smaller arena. Uh, Some details of this being announced tonight, so it looks like they're finally going to get that done down the highway. The Eskimos Coaches Show is from 7.30 to 8 tonight with Morley Scott and Jason Moss. We'll have Eskimo safety Jordan Hoover in studio after the break. Monday morning magic, always a special day for the Eskimos and their fans. Jordan was there. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.